Well, good morning, everyone. And I'm glad each one of you are here today. You know, what do you think of this? It's nice. You know, here, here's the thing. Old people never throw anything away. I don't know if you ever knew that. And I look in my little jewelry, in my drawer, I have a little part for my jewelry and stuff like that. And these were really popular in the 90s. And I figure I'm going to be a trendsetter and, and make them come back. So and you can go, I'm sure you can still buy these online somewhere, and it's, it's really nice. You know, and even my cufflinks. These cufflinks are really nice, aren't they? In fact, um, we had a, I, I missed that, it's probably really, anyway, we had a fellow who came to church years ago, and he had these cufflinks on, and I said to him, I said, I love those cufflinks. He took them off and gave them to me. The next week, I saw the car he was driving, and I said, <laughs> but he really did, he really gave me these cufflinks. Secret Sisters, um, your luncheon is coming up, and if you haven't signed up, sign up. And if you think, well, gee, I don't know if I have the, the cash, all you have to do is sign up. You don't have to put any, just put your name on there, and you're signed up, and you're going to be fed. Don't worry about it. Just make sure you come. It's a real blessed time for our Secret Sisters to gather together. And also, right after church today, we have a church dinner, and so we encourage each one of you to be there, and it's a time of blessing and a time of great fellowship. And we're going to pray for our dear sister, Lisa, and the family. She, her mom just went to be with the Lord uh, a couple days ago. And um, it's, it's always difficult. And let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And I just left, lift up our sister, Lisa, and her family. And I pray you'd bring them peace during this difficult time. And through it, many in the family would come to know you. And so, Father, we give you thanks for all things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, it's a wonderful thing. Scripture tells us that we rejoice in the death of the saints. Those that love Jesus, we rejoice in their death because they're absent from the body, but they're present with the Lord. What a blessing that is. Uh, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 27. I'll be picking up with verse 11. Deuteronomy 27. I'll be picking up with verse 11. Now, I'm going to be sharing something with you, and it's going to seem like I'm going around the barn, but there's really a point that I want to make with this. <clears throat> and when we were uh, singing, and, and uh, I don't know why, it just came on to my uh, heart, that just a miracle of life. And if you think about it, how amazing life is. Because everything we read in the Bible is about people. It's about life. And you figure you have... You know, and I'm not trying to get into a big biology lesson, but you have every, every um, you know, month, a woman usually secretes an egg cell, and if a sperm cell is there to fertilize it, you have 23 chromosomes in the egg, 23 chromosomes in the sperm, and the minute they come together, it's like a shield goes around it that no more can come in, so that that individual is secured as themselves. And I'm not going to get into fraternal twins and identical twins, but just that individual. Now, here's the thing. When we think of that, we only think of life in the physical sense. But do you understand at that point they received their soul and spirit? At that point, they're a full human being with a soul and spirit. That's the reason sometimes you can have identical twins that look exactly alike, but their personalities are very different because they have different souls and spirit. Our soul is what we have our self-identity in. It's all of our personalities. It's who you are. But the Spirit is what allows us to have a relationship with God. And that's the reason all believers 
We need to have our spirit set on fire by the Spirit of God. We need to be renewed of the Spirit so that we now not only are self-identifiable people, but we're able to have a relationship with our God. And everything that God writes in his book, in his word, is for our benefit. None of it is for our harm or for our hurt. It's all for our benefit. And God has for us a beautiful life if we would only obey. And of course, we see the results in this world of a people that turn their back on God. And uh, it's not a good thing when they do that. Now, when we look at portions of Scripture like this in Deuteronomy, we always have to remember that um, God has, for all believers, lessons to learn in every portion of Scripture that we read. The Scripture might seem difficult, it might seem hard, but there are lessons to learn. In fact, in Romans 15, 3, you've heard me quote this so many times, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that through the patience and comfort of the Scripture, we might have hope. Do you understand how wonderful hope is? If you have no hope, you're in despair. But if you have hope, it's an amazing thing. It's just the joy and the strength it gives you. You go to see your doctor because you have some you know, medical uh, malady, some problem, and you go there and your, your doctor says, your physician says, here, you can do this and this, and you'll be made well, and you have hope, and you feel good. You come out of there, and I'm feeling good. I can do something about this. But here's the thing. What if you go to your physician, and your physician says, you know what? There's not much hope. You have maybe two months to live. Where then do we find hope? The only place we can find it is in our Lord Jesus Christ, because he has promised us life beyond the grave. He's promised us eternal life in him. Because the reality is, we are three, right? We have three natures. We're body, soul, and spirit. Our body is this physical exterior that we all see. And one of the things, those of you who have been coming here for a long time, you have noticed that this physical exterior is changing. It's wearing out. <laughs> it's getting older. But who I am, my soul, my self-identity, my spirit, never changes. I'm still, hey, when, when I'm laying in bed, I'm 16. It's only when I look in the mirror and try to walk. Any, but you understand the point that I'm making, that our, 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 our spirit, our soul never changes. We're who we are. It's our self-identity. But the spirit is what allows us to have communion with the living God. And we are born again by the Spirit. Scripture tells us His Spirit makes our spirit alive because the Spirit of the living God comes literally and dwells within our cardiac, our heart, our inner man, making us alive in Him. And therefore, we not only have hope, we have eternal life. And so if someone tells me you have, you know, three months to live, of course it's going to be hard on, on my family and there's a lot of things to be thinking about. But the one thing that I know with absolute assurance is to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. I'm going to be with Jesus for all eternity. And here's the thing that's wonderful. Most of you, I believe, are saved. There's some that I don't know. Most of you, I believe, are saved. I believe you're saved. So the point is, you're going to get to heaven someday too. And remember that old hymn, when we all get to heaven, what a wonderful day it will be. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it shall be. So we're all going to be to heaven someday. And so we have to understand, when God gives these commands, and he tells us and gives us instructions on in how we should live, it might seem difficult at times. It might even be pretty hard at times. 
But the point is that when you are obedient to the Lord, there is a joy and there is a promise that comes into your heart that nothing else, nothing else can, can supply. Just that peace you have in Him. And um, we're going to find, as we're reading this portion, it's about the blessings and cursings as they're coming into the promised land. And um, they're actually applications of the Ten Commandments. God had already given Moses the Ten Commandments, which he delivered to the people. And so as we read through this, we're going to find that they're uh, a summary of the application of the Ten Commandments if you live by them or the consequence if you don't live by them. And so we're picking up in Deuteronomy 27, starting with verse 11, 27, 11. And Moses commanded the people on the same day, saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites, they're the ones who are going to do the speaking, and the Levites shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel, Cursed, cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and set it, sets it up in secret. Listen, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. In other words, they agree with it. Amin is taken from, uh, that. it's actually an Aramaic word, and it means to agree with. Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who makes the blind to wander off the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. Now, it could be literally in a taunting way, you know, getting them to walk off the road, but it can also be in a spiritual sense as well. Verse 19. Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife, because he has uncovered his father's bed, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one uh, who attacks his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Now we're going to find, when we get into Joshua, in fact, if you take notes, it's in Joshua 8.33, we're going to find that people didn't actually ascend the mountain, as they were told. They stood at the bottom. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, because there's some meaning behind that. <clears throat> now, the tribes that gave the blessing, I think this is really important for us to lay hold of. The tribes that gave the blessing were the children of Rachel and Leah. Those were the legitimate wives of Jacob. And we also find that uh, those who pronounced the curses were of their handmaidens of Rachel and Leah. And it was Bilhah and Zilpha, their handmaidens. 
And so the children of Rachel and Leah represent the children of promise. God had told them that they would be fruitful, they would multiply, and they would become a nation. But then what happened is you had insecurity, jealousy, and so forth come in, and when Rachel wasn't having children, she invited her handmaiden to come to Jacob and to have children. And when, then when uh, Leah wasn't having children after Rachel had two children, the same thing, she invited her handmaiden. And so what we have here are representatives of the children who are born of the promise and the children who are born of the world, who are born of the, the fear and, and the anxieties of man. And that speaks to us in a spiritual sense. We're to be born again of the Spirit, of the promise of God. All the promises of God for you and I are, what does Scripture say? Yes and amen. All of His promises. And so you and I are children of the promise of Jesus Christ. We're not children of works. We're not children of the law. Now, the law is good. Don't ever think that. It's not good. Scripture says the law is good and it's perfect in all its ways. Because what the law does is it shows us where we're wrong. It shows us the error of our ways. But the reality is no man can live by the law. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> I know that if I have 1,200 calories a day and I work out at least five times a week, that I'm going to lose weight and get kind of built. But the reality is I know that, that's kind of like the law, but the reality is there are two or three days a week I have 1,200 calories, and there's maybe one day a week I work out, and that's where God's grace comes in. <laughs> but I'm using that as a silly example, but the point is none of us can keep the law, not one of us. The only one who ever walked this terrestrial ball who kept the law was Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And he kept the law for one reason, that he might be the sacrifice for all of us who are unable to keep the law. And through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we're able to live under grace. Now, grace does not abolish the law, but it gives us victory over the law. In other words, if you broke one part of the law, you'd go to hell. But because of the grace of Jesus Christ and because of his mercy, when we confess and repent our sin, he forgives us and purifies us from all unrighteousness, and we have a new start. We have a fresh beginning with the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Boy, it sure is for me. I don't know about you, but I've never laid in bed at the end of the day and said, you know, it was wonderful being perfect. Never said a thing wrong, never did a thing wrong, never had a wrong thought. I, it's just wonderful to be perfect. No, probably like most of you, I lay in bed, so God forgive me, I'm such a jerk right? That's the grace of God. doesn't take away from the law. The law is perfect. The law is our school teacher. The law shows us what's right. But because of our inability, grace comes in and brings forgiveness when we fail to keep the law. It's a beautiful thing. Now, think about this. Curses are places of disobedience. Disobedience is what causes us to have separation with God. And there's nothing that is more intolerable. There is nothing that is more frightening, nothing that is more discouraging to be out of fellowship with God. God is always there. 
But in order for us to come back into fellowship with him, we have to make things right. Think about marriage. Did you know that the, the word of God uses marriage as an example of the relationship between Christ and the church? Read your, read your Bible. It does. Now, here's the thing that happens in marriage. We love each other. You know, Vi and I have been married over 50 years. We love each other, and we support one another, but there are don't be shocked, but there are times that Vi and I have had disagreements. And it usually takes a week or two before she realizes her fault. No, just the, the point I'm getting at is that Vi and I sometimes have disagreements. And usually the case, one of us is wrong. And when we come to a place where the one who is wrong goes up to her husband, no, just joking. <laughs> The one who is wrong goes up to his wife and says, you know what, I really was off on that, I was wrong, please forgive me. Then the relationship's able to come back together. It's not that their relationship was ever broken. Vi and I love each other, we've been married for over 50 years, and nothing has ever come between us. But there have been times that our relationship was not what it could be because of things in our hearts or in our lives, disagreements that we had. And that's the way it is with God. When you're born again, the law has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ in you. You're born again. You're going to heaven. But those times that you fall to sin, you need to take it to the Lord. Say, God, forgive me, a sinner. And the wonderful thing is, he always does. God never says, well, you know, you've asked me that about 12 times this week. God never says that. He will forgive us as often as we ask because he's such a loving God. Now, think about this. The blessing, we talk about we want the blessings of God. The blessing is obedience itself. That's the blessing. When you do what's right, what a blessing. You feel good. Now, obedience is a statement of love for God, isn't it? And God responds to our love by blessing us. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's like a beautiful circle of love that God has for you and I. We obey him because we love him. And because we obey him, he blesses us. And because he blesses us, we desire to obey him. It's just a beautiful thing. Now, in relationship to the tribes, I mentioned this earlier, when you get to a, a Joshua, you'll find that even though God told them to go to the top of the mountain to proclaim these blessings and cursings, they didn't. Go, to, go to, Jer uh, to Joshua, where I told you, and you find they just went to the foot of the mountain, and they declared them. Now, this might seem like a minor detail, that they didn't go up to the top of the mountain, but it's not. You know why? Because God is always looking for obedience. He said, go to the top of the mountain, and they didn't. And I believe... They did take the land, we know that, and they did occupy it, and God did bless them. But look how many times they fell into disobedience, to complete idolatry, complete idolatry. And God brought other nations in to punish them and even take them into captivity. So we have to understand that obedience is better than sacrifice, Scripture tells us, and they didn't obey fully. Because... If they would have done what God commanded them to do, when they went to the top of the mountain, they would have seen all that God had promised them. 
I mean, when you're on the mountain, you can look over a whole city. But when you're standing in the field, you can only see to the other end. So God wanted to show them even more than they were able to see at the bottom of the mountain. Because God always wants to reveal more of himself to us. And that comes through obedience. And also, think about this. Where did God meet with Moses? The top of the mountain. Where was Jesus transfigured with his disciples? The top of the mountain. Where did God take Moses to see the land that he would not enter into, but he wanted to see the land? The top of the mountain. God loves to meet with us on the tops of the mountain. It's such a, a, an interesting thing that when things are going poorly for us and we're having troubles, we're, oh God, oh God, I need you. And then when things are going well, we just kind of go off on our own and forget. But we should be praising God and praying to him more when things are going well because we're on the top of the mountain. We're seeing everything God has done for us and continues to do for us. He's such a loving God. Now, in, in, think about this. God always wants to reveal more of himself to you and I. He always does. He doesn't want to just reveal a little bit of himself. He wants to reveal more and more of himself because the more we're able to see of God, the more blessed we are. And the more we understand what our relationship is with him and we understand what it is to be a believer and to follow him and to do the works that he's commanded us to do. But we need to be there with him. We need to have those mountaintop experiences with him. Because God always wants to reveal more of himself to us. Now, the curses were mentioned, were, were pronounced, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. And as I said earlier as well, they're in relationship to the Ten Commandments. And so I'm not going to cover each one individually, just overall. Verses 17 through 19 in this chapter are all about uh, mistreating our fellow man. In Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor, okay, as yourself. On these two commandments hinge all the law and the prophets. So the Lord wants us to love one another. He wants us to express his love by loving other people. Not having a hateful, wrong attitude towards them. It's easy to love those who love you, but it's more difficult to love those who hate you. But Scripture says we're to love those even that hate us. You know, Jesus loved the very ones who crucified him, literally in the physical sense, and of course, in the spiritual sense, every one of us crucified him. Jesus went to the cross because of sin. And all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so when he hung on that cross, he was hanging there for your sins personally. Personally. What a loving God we serve and, and no reason there would be for us to not also have the same forgiving and loving attitude towards others. You know, it, it's, it's one thing to have someone upset you. It's another thing to carry a vendetta and a grudge in your heart. It'll kill you. It's like carrying a cancer in your heart. You can't do that. You have to let go of it and forgive the person in your heart. Whether they ever uh, respond back to you, you forgive them in your heart. And uh, we, we look at verses uh, 39 and 40. 
And uh, it talks about these two commandments. I'm sorry, I'm talking about Matthew here. These two commandments uh, of uh, loving others as God has loved us. Now, in verses 20 through 23, it's all about sexual sin. And there is nothing that has caused more destruction in the human race than sexual sin. And we're living in a time that it is more amazing. I mean, it's just amazing the things that are out there and the things that people believe and agree with. I was reading a Facebook article yesterday, and this is a little bit comedic, so don't get uh, all upset thinking I'm going off in some wild tangent. But anyway, this uh, guy said, you know, in studying the Bible and becoming a Christian, I really support LGBT. Let God be true and every man a liar. <laughs> and that's what it is. All these other things that are out there are lies. And our young people, brothers and sisters, our young people are being deceived and lied to. They're made to think there's no big deal about that kind of sin. There is. There's a huge deal about it. And so we have to make sure that we're not cavalier in the way we handle it. We need to make sure that we teach our young people the seriousness of having a right relationship with God. And then verses 24 through 25, it's all about deception. And it's interesting, in, in Daniel, in, in talking about when the Antichrist comes on the scene, in Daniel 8.25, if you take no, notes, it says, Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper. And that's exactly what we're seeing in our day today. Um, un, uh, prosper under his rule. And he shall exalt himself in his heart, and he shall destroy many in their prosperity. Isn't that interesting? And he shall even rise against the prince of princes, and he shall be broken without human means. In other words, he's going to try to come against God himself, and he's going to be crushed. In uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 8 and verse 44, if you take notes, and Jesus is speaking to these religious people, and he said, You are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he, and when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. Why? For he is a liar and the father of lies. That's who Satan is. In this nation, in this world, and I'm not getting into a whole political thing. I'm just getting into a, a moral thing. This world, this nation is absolutely falling apart. It's disintegrating morally. Completely disintegrating morally, this world is, brothers and sisters. All we have to do is look around us. And it's absolutely amazing the attitudes that so many people have. For instance... I don't stand against homosexuality because I hate homosexuals. I stand against homosexuality because it's a sin, and I want the homosexuals to be saved and to come to a right relationship with God. I don't stand against fornication because I hate fornicators. I stand against fornication because it's a sin, and I want them to repent and come to a right relationship with God. I don't hate thieves, but what I do is I stand against thievery and encouraging people to repent and come back into a right relationship with God. Because Scripture says, and such were you. Every one of us, such was us. And God forgave us. And he restored us to a right relationship with himself. And he desires to do the same thing to everyone. 
And that's the reason our attitude should always be of love and never have a contrary attitude towards others and don't allow deception to seep in. Well, you know, I, I really, in the church, there are churches that are considering themselves Bible-believing, born-again churches who are doing same-sex marriages. That's an abomination to God because the Bible says so. It's not how God intended it. He intended it from the beginning for a man and a woman to become one and to have marriage and in that loving relationship to bring forth children. Children, such a gift from God. So we have to realize that even though everything around us seems to be crumbling, it points to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. The Bible tells us that. It's very clear. You know, Jesus is coming back to pour out his wrath on, on an earth that is absolutely not only unbelieving, but is spitefully abusive to him and to his law and to his people. But Scripture says he's not appointed us, you and I as believers, unto wrath, but in the salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to come back, no matter whether you think the rapture is just a hoax or just something in Scripture, it is the 100% absolute truth. You know, there is a natural body. Read 1 Corinthians 15. There's also a spiritual body. The natural came first, then the spiritual. And in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, every one of us are going to shed these physical bodies, receive spiritual bodies, and meet the Lord in the air. And then this world will be allowed to go its way. But the wonderful thing is, don't feel like we're just escaping. We are escaping. But God doesn't leave the world without a witness. Because during the tribulation period, I believe many, many many people will come to Christ. Maybe the biggest revival the world has ever seen. And we know that because the Antichrist has to devise a system in order to tell who believers are from the unbeliever. And that is, without the mark, you can't buy or sell. So when they take that mark, it is a literal indication that you're going to be following the Antichrist and you've rejected God. When you take that mark, it's sealed. And just to throw this in here, the vaccine isn't the mark. You, I, I know I, it's silly, but you know what? There are people that think that. It's not. When, you take, when a person takes the mark of the beast, they're going to know what it is. It is allegiance to the Antichrist. And it's going to be some deal. You can't buy or sell without it. That should be easy for us uh, to understand in our, you know, in our society now. How, how many of us use cash? You go into the store and you pull out cash and the the girl says, I don't know how to change that, you know. Can you use a card? I'm just joking. So we have to realize, in conclusion, that our nation might be deteriorating, but you and I should be growing in our relationship with the Lord. Because I love this. It says, for as many as are the works of the law, those people are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things, which are written in the book of the law to do them. And none of us can do that. Verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree 
that the blessing of Abraham might come uh, upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And what is the promise of that Spirit through faith? Faith, Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And all those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? These are the promises of God. And so we have to understand, this world's crumbling around us. Why does it surprise us? The Bible says that it's going to happen, and it's going to get worse. And then he's taking us out of the world through what's called the rapture. To be caught up, raptos in Latin, to be caught up. And this is the reason we have hope. And this sacrament that we call communion is a remembrance of that hope in Jesus Christ. It's such an amazing thing that Jesus gave us this sacrament because it was completely based on his love for us as a reminder. Because a sacrament is something we do that it's a reminder of a beautiful working and promise of God. And so when we take the sacrament, it's a promise that just as Christ died for our sins and rose again, you and I are going to be forgiven our sins and also rise to be with him for all eternity. I mean, this life is, is very, very fragile. I mean, if you, my mother-in-law is 99 years old, but compared to eternity, that's nothing. That's nothing. But we're going to be with the Lord for all eternity, praising him before the throne. It's such an amazing thing. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for the sacrament that we call communion. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would use it to uh, just open our hearts to the wonder of your salvation and to recognize all the promises that you've given us in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, prepare our hearts to receive this sacrament, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. met with his disciples in the upper room and it was at the very night he'd be arrested and uh, he took the bread it would have been unleavened bread because it was the paschal meal and he broke it and he said this is my body broken for you and so we have to understand that everything he did in his suffering was for us was for you personally whether you accept it or not he did it for you personally but those who accept that gift, that promise, have eternal life in him. It's such a beautiful thing. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood which is going to be poured out for you. And he said, take drink all of it in remembrance of me. That's why on the communion table we have in remembrance of me. And that's taken from scripture. And so as we share in this communion, understand this. You, you might be thinking, well, who's able to share? Are you a Christian? Have you given your life to Christ? You share in it. Well, what if I'm not a member? Are you a member of the body of Christ? That's all that counts. It doesn't make any difference whether this is your church for, or you go to another church and you're just here today. We're the body of Christ. And we share in this together to praise and thank God for all he's done. Brothers,
this brothers and sisters there's never been another you from the very point of conception you were an individual that never would be repeated again you are a unique individual in God's sight and God died for you personally and he gave us this sacrament as a reminder of the penalty that he paid for all sin giving us the assurance that our sins are forgiven and we are going to heaven what a promise. What a blessing. Take, eat, and drink, and be so thankful, my friends. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful sacrament.
Thank you for this beautiful body of believers. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless each one of them, that you would cause your face to shine upon them, to be gracious unto them, and fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that they would walk forth in love of you and for others. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, my friends.